to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. And uh, I, I guess we're not covering, you know, first thing off the back here, Pistol, we're not covering the AFL anymore. It's the East FL, you, you could call it, because we've got no games outside the Eastern Seaboard, mate. <laughs> it's, uh, it feels a little bit like that. And uh, I do feel for some of the West Coast and Fremantle, particularly uh, their, their supporters and fans who uh, have to, yeah, I guess, have the pleasure of watching them play from Metricon. The new home ground. Uh, it's going to be interesting where the West Coast can be the flat track bullies as we go on. Um, but first thing, Pistol, this is this kind of feels like round one for me because I missed the entirety of round one being away on holidays, which were completely ruined with the subsequent fallout, mate. So I, I, I'm looking at the scores on my team here. I don't know how any of them relate to how any of my players played, mate. It, it, you've had a look at my team for me and my engraved danger. <laughs> I have this is actually pretty funny because you've come back you came back home your computer blew up you weren't actually you just like ran over your team and you haven't actually been able to delve into the nitty-gritty and determine exactly what needs to be done and why your players scored the way they did so this is, might be a little bit therapeutic for you but your team's not in too bad shape um, I think structurally it's set you've you went a little bit heavier in the back line compared to some other people with three premiums um, and that looks like a wise move given the job security issues many teams will be facing down back, I imagine. Well, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. It was, you know, it's tough being able to predict these things ahead of time, Pistol. So uh, it's just one of my many talents there, mate. So uh, <laughs> although at, at 26 from Dylan Robinson, I'm still trying to track down some footage. I think he deleted it off uh, all the AFL servers because he didn't want any, any Supercoach player to see him put up that after all the research we did in the preseason, mate. Uh, so I guess what, what's been happening in, in, in the time that you've been away from um, Supercoach, mate? You've had anything to keep yourself busy? There hasn't been too much, but a, a little bit of a shout-out to uh, Apollo um, from our Slack community who's been running a, a, a select card f- football fantasy game, I guess is the best way to describe it, um, where we've been purchasing packs and he's been generating scores for our teams every week and we've had like a, a fast-tracked season um, and we're able to compete against each other and play on a weekly basis and we have our trade-ins and outs and that's been super fun. So I've mostly been keeping my, getting my, I guess, fantasy football addiction um, just, just fed to me through that. So you've said addiction, mate. Is it true that you've spent your house deposit on trading AFL cards between other Slack members? Can you confirm or deny that? I don't think it's a house deposit if you can make a house out of the <laughs> House of cards! cards. Oh. <laughs> No, that, that that wasn't even funny. Uh, but yeah, shouts, shouts, <laughs> shouts to Paulo for that. You've been doing a mountain of work uh, and probably the only other person in the Southern Hemisphere that understands Excel as much as uh, as you do, Pistol. So that's a, a, a certainly a match made in heaven. Uh, mate, we might as well jump into some of the big changes that have been released today uh, by the Herald Sun and Supercoach uh, themselves. We do have a number of ch- uh, changes that we want to talk about. The first thing off the board... Um, is the trades that we'll have available for round two. We're going to be given five trades, Pistol. Uh, what's your initial thoughts of that? Were you in the camp of you know keeping it at two trades and maybe reducing the overall amount that we have for the entire year? Or were you more towards the unlimited trade scenario? Where did you find it fall on that spectrum? Look, to be honest... It is what it is now. Um, I'm not really in the camp of, I'm not going to say what could have been or what should have been. We've got the five trades. I'd rather discuss exactly 
uh, some strategies surrounding that and what we should do with it and how to plan forward. We're all in the same boat now, so let's just, I guess, get on with it and um, plan around these five trades. Yeah, that's, that sounds like someone that's a little disappointed with the decision. <laughs> uh, I'm not disappointed in the decision. I think it's I'm a not fine disappointed, decision. but this is what I would have done. No, look, no one needs to hear it. They've made the choice and we're going to roll with it. <laughs> look, I, I, I actually think it's a good compromise because you had everyone that had really bad round one saying, we've got to have unlimited trades. I need another... F- it needs to be a free hit. And everyone that had a really good round one that's sitting in the top 10K are saying, nah, just leave it at two trades. So I think it's a, a, a reasonable compromise and um, uh, they definitely... I think it would have been worse if we went with the uh, the um, unlimited scenario. Um, so five trades is, I think, right about the the ballpark. Um, we already knew prior to round one that there was going to be quicker price changes pistol, um, but it does mean that you know we might see a lot of these five trades that we have available going towards changing um, things that we might have spent uh, an extra week looking into. Say a Dylan Robinson, we might have wanted to have another rounds worth of data before we gave him the flick or made the decision to keep him. Um, it means that we kind of have to go on the data from a couple months ago um, to see if we want to keep him because he is going to change price after the next round. It's a bit scary having five trades at our disposal and this is the one week where we have five trades and we have to go off one round of data in like a completely... Uh, it's the same ball game, but different rules, you know, shorter quarters. The scoring system was uh, a bit iffy um, in our eyes and that makes it very difficult to make good judgment calls. So we'll just have to do, you know, make the best decisions that we can to uh, pull out hopefully some sound arguments to use the five trades as wisely as we can. But in terms of overall trades, um, Cheese, I think the big thing to, to remember is there are no buy rounds anymore, and we used to get three trades per round in the buy weeks. So now those, I guess, three buy weeks where we had those three trades, those additional trades are just given to us up front, which isn't great for our cash generation because we can no longer, I guess, cut and take some money out of our rookies and replace them with different rookies. We now have five trades just to shuffle kind of sideways around with our team, and that might make cash generation a little bit more difficult, particularly in a season that's already only you know 17 rounds long. So there might be uh, some new types of strategies coming to light for this season. Yeah, and I think uh, the one thing you mentioned um, in terms of um, the players that seem to benefit from the scoring system, you know, the rucks, the contested beasts, and, you know, the intercept sort of players are the ones that we really kind of need to hone in on. Because um, it, it, I, I hazard a guess that we're seeing a greater variation in what the scores might be. I don't think I've seen so many, you know, above 150 scores um, towards the, you know, closer to 200 in a singular round. So I... I you know, we need more data, but I think it's there's going to be a correlation that we're going to see players that dominate in this, you know, different season will end up having scores in the 180s rather than say a 145, 155. Um, that's just something that we'll, we'll see develop over time. But it does make it more relevant that we need to jump on those players that um, seem to be benefited by the scoring system the way that it's applied to the new game. So um, just something to look out for and and, and something that I've, uh, I think that I might be using some of my trades to, uh, to fix uh, my side. You do talk about the buys and uh, one of the things that I was really, um, you know, last year I really didn't take buys into consideration because I wanted to see just how much of an impact it would 
be if I tried to trade on the fly. I know we've <laughs> talked about this before. I did all this buy research. I back-ended it, made sure I had a couple doggies in the midfield. Not only did they stink, but now my whole buy structure is a complete waste of time because not only do we not have buys, we don't even know what the, the fixture looks like after round five, Pistol. Yeah, that, that one's a little bit of a sore point for me because I always plan for the fixture and to optimize my team. And obviously, you can when there's a 50-50 choice and I went with someone with a later buy over someone with an earlier buy, and it's a bit annoying because, I mean, it didn't harm me that much, but I really wanted to have Dangerfield on my team. I spoke about him the whole preseason. I knew he was going to cop a bat round one score, and now I really want Dangerfield and I don't have him. And that was because of the comparison between him and another player, and I went for the buy structure before round one. So, look, it happens. Um, we'll move on, Chizo, I guess, and we'll, we'll probably discuss the differences of, uh, I guess, what to do in similar situations. I know there's people with uh, triple doggy midfielders who might want to potentially shake things up as well. Yeah, I think I, I think the biggest thing that having those five trades is going to allow us to change that structure. If you went one light in the back line or um, you went heavy in the in the uh, the ruck line, you want to get a Naismith or a Segler or something like that, as it seems like all rucks are, are being quite heavily benefited from um, the way the scoring system is applied, it's going to allow you to do that. You can, um, to some extent, change that structure. So um, we're, we're certainly not dead in the water if you, you've gone in with a team that doesn't seem like something that you want to take going into um, the remainder of a season. Uh, but we should probably jump into the fixture that has been released. I, I think uh, it's important to note we only know the next four rounds, Pistol, so things may change. Um, we may see in the future, you know, teams like West Coast being out of play at home. Um, but at this stage, the four rounds that we have available to us, um, their new home ground is Metricon, mate. And, you know, as the flat uh, flat track bullies, as uh, uh, we've known them for a long time, whether that's going to uh, impact them or their super coach scoring, we're not sure. Yeah, see, this is a very worrying thing for me, as particularly, I feel, for people that loaded up on um, I guess West Coast players and hoped they'd get you know an early boost when they were playing you know a couple of times in the West and now they have to play all these games in Metricon. It's a bit of an unknown. Um, so players like Hearn who started very very well. Obviously, <laughs> if I had Hearn, I'd be loving it. He got an absolutely massive 150 plus score in round one. But now you kind of don't really know how he's going to go at Metricon, how he's going to go at that specific round, and that also applies, I guess, for um, Port Adelaide and Adelaide players, and also Fremantle players. So that's something to take into account. And I think Chizo, the big one for me is um, Geelong playing now at GMHBA Stadium as their, I guess, main home ground. Um, they don't play away. At, well, they only play away at the MCG. All their home games will be at their actual um, home grounds in Geelong. And that, to me, is signs that I want Dangerfield um, averaging over 130, I think, in his history at that ground. Then you've got um, Tom Stewart's been dominating there. I think last season off the top of my head, his lowest was like an 89 or something at that ground and averaged um, well over 100 there. Just the players... Um, in particular, any sort of um, Geelong cash cow might benefit from it. So <clears throat> somebody like Darcy Fort, he's only it's about 250k odd in the forward line. He might get a run as a number one ruck for a while. Who, who really knows? Obviously, Stanley's waiting in the wings, but we can talk about him in depth closer to round one. 
But now he's suddenly looking a lot more appealing, given he's a Ruckman, and Ruckman all scored really well. He scored 94 in the first week, and they play in their fortress for the majority of the season. Um, this is this is a lot of things to consider. I mean, I think it's important to, to say right off the top that the MCG is not the Cats' home ground. If I've learned anything over the last five years is that it's an arduous drive up the highway to get to the MCG. It really takes a lot of the energy out of you. So um, <laughs> not by any means we're saying that the MCG is Geelong's home ground, but they do have three out of the four. So um, it, I totally agree with you in that stage. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I got totally stuck... Uh, in that situation, as you just described, in not starting danger because he had the early buy, and I just the way that I had the rest of my side, I ended up taking Crips over him, which I'm not disappointed about. But I think I'm really going to be, you know, we'd love to have the rest of the season's fixture to look at and make these decisions on, uh, but we can only go with what the data you know, that we have available. And that pretty much says that we need to find a way to get danger in. And at the moment, um, I think we talked about pre-podcast, I'm probably looking at, you know, it's basically a straight swap from Dunkley um, to danger at this stage without costing me barely anything. So um, that's something that I might look at as as one of my corrective or or structural changes there, Pistol. Um, Another thing to notice... Uh, is the way that the the games are structured, the way they're uh, you know sort of spread out. You mentioned this to me. Um, it, it's probably so that we can watch as as many games one after the other. There's no real big double ups, but it does mean we're going to have ample opportunity to really lock in a good. Uh, you know, every game is going to give us a potential for a captaincy score because they they are nice and spread out. Yeah, they've done us a little bit of a favour here. Uh, We're finally able to actually see a full result of a game before locking in our captains. So I'm I'm hoping I'll have less captaincy loophole fails uh, this season. I mean, I just need to not have one. Um, (laughs) Oh, that was a sad round. Wow, that hurts. So it's just the Saturday night game. That's the only overlapping match. So I guess... I think this will be controversial. The 6 p.m. game slot, uh, most people are not happy with that on a Sunday night. Um, I don't mind it, Chizo. I like getting to watch all of the games of football. It gives a, it's a Sunday night activity. Uh, I, I, I'm totally with you. Like, uh, I can't see myself if I was going to the football to go and watch it, but I think seeing as everyone's pretty much going to be stuck at home anyway, I think there's going to be a lot of us being able to watch it anyway. So um, I, there's... I've got no problem with it as much as I've heard a, 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 a bit of anger about it. But um, I, think, I think it's been pretty good fixturing. I think um, some teams are definitely going to benefit from it. Um, have we confirmed that we play every, each team plays everyone once? I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, well, if there's 17 rounds... Uh, it's the, it's the be... AFL, mate. They might, <laughs> they might double up bloody Essendon and Collingwood for all we know. Yeah, they just play each other every third week just to make Essendon money. and Collingwood will play uh, round three and round seven or something like that. No, the AFL. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, everyone... Look, I'd say it's a fair fixture, but given where teams are playing, uh, not particularly fair. I mean, the the one thing to take away from that is that we can guarantee Danger's not getting another tag from De Boer. Yes, that's uh, a big a big positive. Chiso, you touched on earlier you... He's potentially using a trade sideways Dunkley to Dangerfield. Have you had any more thoughts about what potentially you'd use your other trades for? It's a good question. I'm not terribly displeased with the team that I have. I think I started um, with a reasonably 
good balance between risk and safety with the players that I have. Um, I think mostly I'm going to be waiting to see what sort of um, rookies make it into the round two teams because so much has changed in two months that the rookies that we thought were going to get three or four games to start the season may not even have a spot now. We're talking about BZT um, and, you know, even um, a Kavara might not have a, a, a spot. A Tom Green might not have a spot now. So um, I think it's going to be really, really important to not get too trigger happy on the sideways trades. If there is something um, obvious like a, a Dunkley to danger situation like that for me, um, I, you know, don't ignore it. But I wouldn't be doing four out of five trades planning to do a sideways because I, I think we might find that the rookies that we have available for next round or the one upcoming may be significantly different to what we had in round one. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think cash generation is going to be key, right? You named a couple of rookies uh, that might miss out if you have, you know, Stasevic, um, Robertson, uh, Bedford, all these players, I think McCasey and, and uh, Davis are suspended as well for a week for the Adelaide thing. So there's a lot of players that are potentially missing um, rookies, and that's really going to stunt um, that cash generation. So for me, the using the five trades is less about, I guess, getting the right premiums in. And, well, I mean, that should be a factor, but not the highest factor. I think that the top thing on everyone's wish list will be maximizing their potential uh, cash gains and growth over the coming weeks. It, this is this is funny. I feel like this as a whole, it's more going to be about getting the players with, I guess, burst potential, let's call it that. Um, for example, if you were to play the slow and steady game and get your team to full premium, you could, you'd probably be doing it by about round 14 um, as you know usual AFL seasons, but then you only have three rounds to really have that full premium team. If you were to finish a team at round 11 with a majority finished team and then the other players just a little bit, uh, I guess, cheaper and, and worse, you know, you end up having six rounds of potentially um, massive scores and gains. So for me, I might try and play a, a, a different type of game where I'm focusing much more on value and players with high ceiling um, and just try and, I guess, catch lightning in a bottle more often um, than I've tried to before. So I'm talking players, as I mentioned, like Fort. Um, he's on my list. Um, Viney, 186. I mean, the funny thing is, after a 186, when, when prices change after just two weeks, uh, he's going to be making 100K, you know, as my worst-case scenario. So you could kind of look at him as a cash cow in a way. If he doesn't work out, great, I'll make 100K and then I'll trade him somewhere else. But uh, potentially, you know, he could be averaging 110, um, potentially, I say, given the contested style and nature of his game in the shorter quarters. Um, and their draw is is very nice as well in the first four weeks. So I'm looking at him. He's only 430K, so he's really cheap cheeso, and that's kind of the, the lightning in the bottle um, that I'm talking about. But to facilitate this cheeso, people are wondering how you're going to get this money, and that leads us to... Probably the great debate, the biggest question that will need to be answered. And honestly, Chizo, I think there is no right answer here. And that's, should I trade Gorn to Naismith? We'll be reading about that. There will be debates. And do you want to potentially lay out... I'm not sure how you want to do this, Chizo. Do you want to potentially say the positives of keeping sticking with Gorn 
over Naismith, and I might try and talk a bit about the other side, and we'll see how this goes. Well, I I will attempt to do that, but I think I'll preface it by saying that you're totally bang on the money by saying that there's no right or wrong answer to this for everyone. This is going to be purely team-based. If you've missed something or you went with a structure that now no longer makes sense, maybe you went two premiums in the back line and you need to find the cash to get a Doherty, for example, if you were expecting him to, um, uh, you know, you, you, you weren't confident in taking him into round one, you want to pick him up after his his performance. It's going to be one of, I, I think Gorn might be the one to, to make way to get Naismith because, as you say, I think this season we're going to see... Um, I think it's going to be hyper-aggressive. I think it's going to be a season of parkour, Pistol. We're going to be jumping on everything. Anything that looks like it's got some positive value, we're going to be jumping on it. Um, but the Gorn-Naismith debate, I think the, the, the big positive with Gorn um, is he's got a really, really good uh, run in the exposed games that we have seen. Just trying to think who we've seen. Uh, we've got Carlton in their first round. I don't think they have Cruiser. He's gone down. So I think it's, no, it's Pitnet. Is that Pitonet. right? Yeah. yeah. Pitnet, yeah. Essendon with Bell Chambers. Average. Uh, average, cheese. Average again. <laughs> uh, who else have we got here to look at? They've then got uh, the Cats. So, again, not a dominant. Fort. Yeah, not a dominant Ruckman. Uh, and then rounding it off with the Swans. So I, I think uh, with Naismith there, so I think that his next you know month is going to be really good. And you've got to remember that Gorn was coming off a bit of a niggle to start the season as well. I think it was um, hamstring, if I remember correctly. Uh, uh, it's been a while now, Pistol, so don't, don't quote me on that. But he was under a little bit of a cloud heading into round one anyway, so maybe he... Um, needed a little bit of a, a to a bit of time to um, recuperate as well. So heading into round two, I see that the next month. I, I see no. Uh, there's definitely not a. Uh, there's definitely a case to keep Gorn if you wanted him to, and it fits your structure. If you don't have a desperate need to find cash, um, uh, would you agree with that? Honestly, I think Gorn is going to be in the top three averaging players after the first after the next month. So, not including round one, I think we'll find him averaging 130 plus over the next month. So, I definitely think he's not going to perform poorly. Yeah. So, why don't you take us through some reasons why you might want to trade him out after saying that he might be uh, uh, such a high scorer? Well, the thing that people need to realize is you're not replacing him with Naismith expecting Naismith to like try and keep close to Gorn's score we're not like that's completely unrealistic you're picking Naismith because he's good value and it gives you 450k to play around with 450k to put that in perspective you could be getting a rookie to Fort you could be getting a rookie to Viney and you could be getting a rookie to like Hill or Duday who are coming back. That, that's upgrading three players in your side and getting Naismith, who just is coming off 121. Do I expect him to average 121? No. If he can average 90, that would be, one, him making a lot of money yeah. because it's only 250K. He might be getting outscored by 40 points by Gorn, but with three upgrades across my field, I should be making back well over 40 points, or maybe not well over, maybe about 40 points. Um, so for me, 
it's about plugging holes and I, I don't want to trade gone. I would say if I can find a way and if the teams are kind and players are names, I will be keeping gone. But at this point in time with the uh, expectation that BZT and Stasevich are dropped, I'm looking at a backline donut. So I'm forced into it um, unless rookies, we get some, some defensive rookies that are named. Uh, it's looking like I'm going to be forced into dropping go on to uh, Naismith so that I can upgrade somebody in my backline to a premium um, just to escape a donut, which doesn't feel great, but it does allow me the flexibility uh, to upgrade you know, multiple positions for the rest of my team. And I think the unique thing about this year is this is around before the price changes. So we're able to have one game sample size. I know that's not much, but it's better than the zero game sample size that we have at the start of the season where we have to make our picks on who we think is going to be good and who is going to be bad. We actually have numbers. We can see that, you know, Viney scored 186. We can see that the Ruckman, 10 of the Ruckman scored above 100. And Darcy Ford's not included in that, and he scored 94. Um, and he's, you know, a 250k forward. Yes, he's got job security issues and, and stuff like that, but we have so much more information than we had before round one. So now that we've got five trades, giving you more money in the bank from gone allows you to, I guess, make more educated risks than you usually would be able to have. Yeah. I'm not sure if I explained that no, no, no. very well. I, I thought that was really good. Um, the, the, the thing that we have to mention is that because of the two round change, we're going to see more hyper-aggression with this type of trading. We're going to see a lot of these premiums like Gorn, it's going to, we, we might find it a bit more difficult to ride out some low scores because they're going to be hit so quickly from it um, that you know, I, I, I honestly think it's going to be difficult to have... It's going to be a race to who has the fully functioning side because... When you think about it, we were all going to be upgraded by round 14 or 15, and we had like six, seven, eight rounds worth of scoring at our premium to kind of, you know, jostle out out at the top. But now, if you can finish your side even one round before the rest of your competition, they don't have enough time after that to try and make up those points they just lost by holding that rookie for one extra week. So yeah. I, I think that... While I don't want to trade out, Gorn, I'm sitting here looking at 450k that's going to allow me to get Robin to, to someone. It might allow me to get um, BZT if he's dropped to someone um, uh, like a Duday or someone like that. And suddenly, I have a little bit more depth in the back line that I'm a little bit more confident with. And I've still got cash to spare probably. So as much as I agree with you in the fact that Gorn is probably going to be one of the top three scorers over the next month, he's got a really good run. Um, he's probably over that niggle. And he's one of the best super coach players in the game with Rux getting seemingly benefited from the scoring system in the shorting short format. He's just going to do a you know, similar to Dunkley and just drop like a fly because he's just so high, highly priced. So because of that aggression that we need to try and jump on any value possible this year to upgrade first and be the first to our full side... You know, it's it's a really compelling argument in the opposite direction to trade him out and use that cash elsewhere. Whereas in the preseason, we we're saying, you know, you've got to hold Gorn because you've got 23 rounds to hold him through. With this shorter season, I can absolutely see um, the potential to, you know, even in three rounds' time, we will we'll be burning through trades um uh, at the same time, you might even find a, a, a period of time to get him back. Um, Pissot, I, I will sh uh, shout this to you. We've got 30 trades, 
and 17 rounds remaining. Is there any reason not to be using your full allotment of trades every week from here on out? Some would probably say 16 rounds remaining. Um, but I, I, I get your point. Uh, you, obviously, if you're going to use five this week, you're down to 25 and um, I guess 15 rounds remaining. You're almost trading every single you week. Are. I guess you guess you could hold off once or twice or actually five times, but um, this season feels like a gung-ho season to me. I don't know if I'm misreading it. Um, that might not be the right strategy, but if you're trying to, as you said, accrue points later in the season by catching up on people, the season just ends so quickly. Yeah, I don't think you can catch up. It's it would be difficult. Like something would have to happen. So maybe someone gets ill or sick, or I don't know. There's a problem in the hub, and there's mass changes. I wouldn't be. Let, let's not set a premonition out. Everything's going well in the world at the moment, Pistol. Let's not throw things out like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, it's going to be very difficult to catch up, as you say. Fifteen rounds or twenty-five trades. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think the solution that I'm seeing is trying to turn over as much cash as possible. I think a lot of rookies are going to get turned over before they've hit their peak. Um, we might end up going 50k early on what they can potentially make just to jump on that uh, that that next bandwagon. Um, do you see the potential that a lot of us are going to be jumping on maybe some rookie priced selections? We've already talked about a Naismith um, that's going to jump in price. Do you see that as a trend that might go forwards into the season where, um, you know, rather than going from rookie to premium, rookie to premium, and upgrading that way to finish our side, do you see us kind of um, jumping from mid-price to mid-price or chasing that cash instead? I've thought about this a little bit, and it's mostly comes back to, I guess, previous season's precedence where the cheaper players at the beginning of the season that do really well, so like a Rowan Marshall as an example, um, Caleb Daniel, I guess, was a little bit cheaper. If you get those types of players at the beginning of the season, they obviously rise heaps in price, and that's great, but it's really hard to find a player midway through the season that's just cheap enough to jump on that just like storms home. Like The reason is if they got to that price in the first place, they're probably doing something wrong. So it's way harder to do that, which is exactly why I want to try and capitalize with these five trades. As many of those, I guess, high-priced, mid not high price low priced high scoring mid prices as possible and try and really nail um you know them and hopefully they become turn into premiums like this is it's uh, this is an opportunity that we don't usually have in supercoach where we've got the information of which mid prices might score well like i i would be very surprised if the best mid pricer of 2020 is one that scored badly in round 1 like it's likely going to come from one of the players that have already scored well and will continue to score well. And it's just about trying to find that one and make sure they're in my sight for round two. Yeah, and you've obviously talked about Naismith and Fort. So there's the potential that you're thinking um, that the shortened format, the way the scoring has been applied so far as it seems to be favoring rucks, is that they're some of those mid-price players that you're looking to jump on heading into round two because you feel a little bit more confident that you're going to see some cash generation from them as opposed to you know, say a Dylan Roberton who's a similar price but playing a lockdown role in round one didn't really, you know, it, it, it really showed a negative effect. So it's it's worth jumping on that, you know, as you say, using that one round worth of data 
um, to just go ham with those five trades. Is that sort of what you're thinking? Am I picking up on what you're trying to put down for us? Yeah, pretty much. And coupled with the fact that there's price changes after two rounds, it's even less risky to jump on someone who's already got one good score in their system because they're going to change price next week. So yeah. they're definitely going to go up. You're going to get something out of it. Like whether or not you get you know, 150K, um, that's probably not going to happen. But you could walk away with 100K off a failed pick, which yeah. is that seems to me to be perfectly fine this season. The good question I saw on Twitter was, um, sorry, in our Slack was up the, I guess, do you want to, huh, I'm stuffing up this question already, <laughs> but uh, are trades valued at 150K, which is, I guess, the benchmark of previous seasons? Um, and I think that's a fantastic question because this season, I don't think trades are valued at 150K. Mm. Um, there's less time, as you said. We're going to be chopping players a little bit short just to get them in our sides for that one week longer, and we might need to take some shortcuts um, to try and ping some higher scores. So I think trades are valued at less, and um, that's a really, really interesting point. And it'll be interesting to see, as you said, uh, throughout the season, how that impacts with our mid-price punting. Um, but just to touch on what you said about Robertson, I guess on the flip side, somebody like him, it's also just one game of sample size. And we know he had a year off and it was you know tough first game back. I'd be really interested to see how he goes in his next week because... It was all about role. Like he played lockdown. If he doesn't play lockdown next week, even if he averaged 85 for the season, I'd probably just keep him at my D8 and not worry about him and just try and focus on getting as much points in the other positions as possible and to save a trade and to use my money, my, my limited amount of money, and use it in the other parts of my field and really beef up my team. Um, so I'm hoping he can become a keeper, but really, if he's going to be pumping out back to back 26s, um, I'm going to be in deep trouble having him in my side. Yeah, I, I guess there's there's two points just to um, to cover what we've just talked about. Um, I guess, say, Naismith had 121 in round one, so we're like, you know, got to get on him because, uh, you know, next round his price is going to change. Let's say in the next two rounds he put puts up 250s. Because the price changes so quickly, you could lose that cash you've just generated equally as fast because... You know that 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 one twenty one is going to fall out of the price calculations earlier. Am, uh, am am I reading that incorrectly? Um, I mean, it still takes into account a three round average. So well, I think that's, imp- yes, that's, that's yes, important. Yes, yes, and know. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it does still take a three round average, even though the price changes after two rounds. So you're right. That is important to note. Um, but I will say that, like, it's possible, but Gorn will probably drop at least a bit for the first round or two rounds and the gap closes a little bit and maybe you want to do if Viney goes up like I could realistically see me trading out Viney in three weeks time uh, to a cash to a to some a rookie to generate cash me trading out Naismith who's gone up 100k and Viney's gone up 100k and me finding 250k or sorry Gorn's dropped let's say 100k and now I only need 150k to be able to turn a Naismith into Gorn um, instead of 450k, I, I can see me just reverting some of my trades to get Gorn back in my side. And it, it sounds like a waste of trades, but the amount of money that I would have created for myself in such a short period of time could be worth a significant amount of points. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and the second thing I'll say is, I, I think I'd, uh, it, I'll make a prediction. I think that 
the accumulation of points will be more important than having the most premium optimized side at the end of the year. I think the team that probably wins it isn't going to be the team that has, you know, um, Sicily averaging 105, Hearn averaging 110, you know, just having a perfect backline, perfect midfield, perfect, um, you know, that we've, we've seen in previous years. I think it's going to be the accumulation of points factor. We'll see some left field selections that um, will end up in the final side because they're going to have a, a pretty good two rounds in the final year and we're just trading really, really aggressively. So um, I, I think I, I think it's going to be an interesting year because all our usual strategies seemingly don't really apply to to the the new season and particularly because we only have the next four rounds fixture we don't even know we can't even plan beyond that yeah and and don't forget that there's no buy rounds Mm. as well so the strategists that wait for the buys to make this big jump on the rest of the competition they don't have that anymore so look this year is definitely going to be unique um where i guess using our best judgment to say this is probably going to be the best strategy for this season. But we could be completely wrong. You're going to have to use your own judgment. Uh, Just in our experience, I guess this is what we feel like is going to be, I guess, the winning ideas. Um, And that's why we're putting it out there. But in all honesty, it might be the opposite. And uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll see you with my worst ever rank at the end of the season. <laughs> Who knows, Chizo? Look, even if you do come thirteenth, mate, I, I won't hate you for your worst <laughs> ever rank ever, mate. <laughs> Pistol, you got anything uh, last to finish up the podcast? I think that pretty much uh, caps up what is uh, an exciting day with you know Supercoach finally releasing some information that we can sink our teeth into for the rest of the season. No, I think this is a good starting point. We just need to, I guess. Get everyone to put their thinking caps on, generate some discussion. I know our Slack is going to go absolutely crazy with ideas and thoughts um, over the next couple of weeks. And we, we could have spent more time, I guess, talking about some other high-scoring options that perform well that are kind of cheap, like Ben Long, just off the top of my head, um, as well, maybe even Townsend. But the thing is, there's still a little bit of time, Chizo, a good two weeks before round one, and we're going to have plenty more podcasts come out, and we'll, we'll delve into the nitty-gritty in those ones, I think. Yeah, I can't wait for Tony to come into general and explain to us why we all need to pick Sean Burgoyne for round two to chase cash or something like that. He'll have some sort of left-field strategy that I've never thought of in my wildest dreams that'll just turn out to to, to be true, as it always does. Thanks, Tony. Um, but yeah, Pistol, we'll do jump into some Patreon shout-outs that will wrap up the podcast, mate. We do have a few that have been hanging on since the end of round one. We never got round two. Uh, we do have Nathan Harris, Dan Barr, John Elditch, Ryan Harper, Lockie Young, Blue, Matty Shower, Troy Jones, Chad, Rob Hull, Mick Thomas, Kyle Chandler, Philip Siggs, Emily Chalice, M, another one from uh, Inside of Slack, love your work, Prime, uh, we've got Lachlan Morelli, Adam Watson, Adam, Brendan Link, Travis Carey, Alex SK, Brad Phillips, Michael Rubino, Kane, Chris Wright, Dubbo, uh, Braden Centrelink recruits. That's not your your alt account, is it? There, pistol. Uh, we've got <laughs> Wade Miles, John Court, Ryan Noble, Kurtley Flack, Braden Spear, Andrew Hammond, Lickety Slurp, 
uh, Liam Wright, Des, Jordan O'Sullivan, Anthony Giruso, Josh Barnes, M. Rocket, Hayden Cribbenrig, uh, Richard Callis, Sam Morgan, Zachary Pierce, Lachlan Case, Luke Smith, James Coleman, Joel, Silla the Commissioner, Ratsy, Blobman, Hayden, Anthony, Bavelli, uh, Mitchell, Ben Starr, Nate, and Stephen Parker. You've been waiting a little while there, guys, so we're sorry about that. Uh, but thanks for being great supporters of the Dr. Supercoach podcast, and we appreciate every single one of you. And uh, Chizo, I think uh, we'll be we'll be doing some Patreon-only content as well uh, throughout the season, so... Uh, don't forget, guys, if you want to jump into our Patreon, um, it's still just... Uh, I've actually forgotten all the prices, Jesus. $3 a month um, throughout the football season. <laughs> it's been a little while. Um, and yeah, you've, you've got all the content and we'll be supporting us as we uh, try some funky things for this season. Um, I think it will be a lot of fun and um, the Slack chat and channel is going absolutely nuts um, with talk and it's only going to build over the next two yeah, weeks. Yeah, who knows when the Dr. Supercoach Cup is going to kick off. You know, we're so used to starting it with our, our full, you know, sides just ready and rearing, but uh, we might struggle with a few rookies on field pistol. It's going to be exciting. Like, literally, who knows when the Cup is going to start. We, we don't. <laughs> I've literally <laughs> just had that out. thought right then. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting and very fun. Thanks for catching up with us, guys. Pistol, where can they find us during the week if they do want our opinions on anything? If you have any questions or thoughts uh, to discuss on the next podcast, uh, you can find us or you can find me specifically at pistol underscore DRSC on Twitter. Find Chizo with a Z, C-E-H-E-E-Z-O underscore DRSC. Just wanted to make it clear. Um, <laughs> Crystal. And you can find JB at JB underscore DRSC on Twitter. And the Dr. Supercoach main Twitter is Dr. underscore SC. I'm not sure if you said that one, but uh, mainly because I wasn't listening. So uh, sorry about that, Pistol. Um, <laughs> thanks for catching up with us, guys. It's been great to talk some Supercoach again. Um, it's been too long and too depressing not having it around. So to have some uh, some knowledge to, to sink our teeth into and to talk and some strategy and stuff with your Pistol, it's been absolutely fantastic, mate. Thanks for jumping on with me. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll talk to you in the next podcast. Catch you later.